I hope that this series, uh, if it's done nothing, I hope it's planted seeds so that that's really what happens in our lives is that when you begin to engage in wherever you're at and whatever work is before you, you begin to see how that is a part of what God wants you to do. That's a part of what God made you to do. And work can be messy. It can be hard. Uh, there's always challenges involved. Uh, but that's why we're here. Uh, so it doesn't get to be bigger mess. And uh, we're here to tend and to steward and to uh, do this as a part of our vocation to be overseers of the creation. And so as we uh, near the end of this series, it's very important that we talk about uh, when we're focusing on our relationship with work, uh, we have to also focus on and talk about our relationship with rest. If our relationship with rest is out of whack, then our relationship with work is out of whack. And so these two, it's a package deal. These two go together. In the beginning, when God created the heavens of the earth, there was day one. And God worked for six days in Genesis chapter one. And then God rested on the seventh day. So in creation, God not only created the things that we see uh, in the world that we live in, but he also created this rhythm a rhythm of a way of being, a rhythm of life. And involved in that rhythm is what we call rest. Later on, when God had raised up a people, Israel, and pulled them out of, rescuing them out of slavery into the wilderness, he gives his children, Israel, the law. And in the law, we see that in uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, we see what the law is. And two times, at least in the law, God gives the Ten Commandments. He gives it up front and in the book of Exodus, and then kind of as like a good parent has like, now remember to do these things, he gives those commandments again in the book of Deuteronomy. And those Ten Commandments, uh, within those Ten Commandments is this day called the Sabbath day. That God says you are to observe a day every seventh day that's called the Sabbath day. And in that day you are to do no work. And the people who work for you are to do no work. And your animals are to do no work. You are to rest. It is a holy day unto the Lord. And God gives rationale for this day and why this day exists. But in Exodus, the rationale is a little different than in Deuteronomy. In Exodus, the rationale for the Sabbath day is because God rested on the seventh day. Because God rested on the seventh day and you were made in the image of God, then you are to rest on the seventh day, says God to his people. But then in Deuteronomy, he gives them a different reason for this exact same command. He says, you are to observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. It is a Sabbath day unto the Lord. He says, but the reason that you are to keep this is because you were slaves in Egypt and you were no longer slaves. And it's not enough just to tell yourself that. It's not enough to look in the mirror and say that. You have to practice your freedom. You have to remember your freedom by how you spend your time. And so on that seventh day, do not work, but keep the Sabbath, remember Remembering that you once were slaves, but you were no longer a slave anymore. God was very serious about this Sabbath command. It wasn't just this little optional thing on the side. In the law, to break the Sabbath could be punishable by death. So now we see the weightiness of this commandment that God had given to his people. 
Furthermore, the Sabbath is a fascinating commandment. A lot of times, I, I confess, as, uh, over the years, I just kind of glossed over it. But when you look at the Ten Commandments as a whole, uh, they're really set up in two chunks. The first three commandments are really about how we relate to God. Love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, different kind of commands about loving God. The last five, or the last six commandments, commandment five through ten, is about how we treat other people, how we love our neighbor as ourself. So the first three have to do with God. The last uh, six have to do with neighbor. There's one in the middle, and that's the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is really the linchpin that holds the two together. When we keep Sabbath well, we remember love for God and God's love for us. And we also, it, it kind of is where it turns the corner and we love our neighbor as ourself. And so we see just from this little introductory lesson or remembrance on the Sabbath that the Sabbath is not just an arbitrary rule. There is a reason behind it. Just as we have dug into the value of work and how work is meaningful and made by God, and when we work, we are becoming who God made us to be, when we rest, we are also living out of our true selves and who God made us to be. There are many reasons behind the Sabbath. Sabbath reminds us that we are not slaves, but that we are free people. Sabbath reminds us that we are not mere machines whose worth is based simply on what we can produce. Sabbath reminds us that we are children, that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And so the practice of Sabbath in our lives is one of the most humanizing things that we can do. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. That is Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 and 10. Today's text is a little bit of a fast forward from that. We fast forward to the days of Jesus and his disciples. And so it happens to be a Sabbath day. And Jesus uh, is walking with his disciples and they're walking past a field of grain. And the disciples are hungry. So they take some of the grain and they, they take it and they sift it themselves. And they eat the grain from the field to satisfy their hunger. Well, the Pharisees see this and they point it out that uh, the disciples, they, they are not following all the rules. Now, first of all, I want to say that the Pharisees get a bad rap. The Pharisees were always picking on the Pharisees, but I want to come to their defense just for a minute and then we'll, you know, pick on them again. Um, let's give them a little bit of credit. The Pharisees were a group of people who wanted to keep the law so that God's people, Israel, would be restored to their former glory. They remember, at least in their uh, collective memory, that, that there was a time when God's raising up of this nation of Israel was that they were a sovereign nation and that nobody messed with them and that uh, there were these glory days. But because of their disobedience to the covenant of God, because of their disobedience to the law, God allowed things to happen to them and things fractured from within as well. And so that's partly why or a significant part of why they were in the mess they were in. That's why the Romans were over them and that they were not their own sovereign people. And so the Pharisees thought if we could just obey all the law, 
then God would restore us to be a sovereign nation again and these Romans would not be over us. So that's kind of what was driving uh, their agenda. It's not like they were just a bunch of rule-following people who were just going around trying to follow all the rules for no reason. The problem is that these Pharisees became these law watchdogs who became fixated kind of on the letter of the law and forgot the entire spirit of the law. The whole reason that God gave the law in the first place. And so Jesus responds to their complaint about his disciples eating grain on the Sabbath. And he says, well, do you not remember in the Bible how David went into the temple and ate of the bread of presence, which he was, it was not lawful for him to eat when he was hungry? And then Jesus goes on to say, and don't the priest also eat in the temple? And then Jesus says, someone greater than the temple is here. And he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, if Sabbath is no big deal, then for Jesus to be the Lord of the Sabbath is no big deal. But if the Sabbath matters, then it means something for Jesus to be Lord of the Sabbath. What does that entail for Him to be Lord of the Sabbath? Well, Sabbath is really made for us. It is a gift and a blessing from God to us. It's built into the created order. What Jesus is not saying here is this. He's not saying, hey man, it's okay. Those are just Old Testament rules. And I'm here to tell you, you just need to do what feels good. I mean, Sabbath, yeah, that, that worked for a while, but like that was a thousand years ago. And we're more contemporary now. We're just going to have a more casual relationship with God in the name of authenticity. So, you know, just do what you want because Sabbath was made for you. It's all about me. Amen? Please don't say amen. Don't say amen. That's not what Jesus is saying. I wonder if we kind of somehow by osmosis pick up on that belief from Sabbath that it's kind of like, hey, you know what? There's grace. There's mercy. And the translation is, I could just do whatever I want. That's not the point of Sabbath. That's not even freedom. Doing whatever we want is not usually lead us down the road of freedom. So what does this all mean for us today? How do we take Sabbath seriously? And how does Sabbath keep its, its grip on us in the way that God wants it to? How does it do what God created it to do for us in the first place? Well, let's admit it. Today, it's very difficult to keep the Sabbath. Our culture, by and large, does not really help us to do that. And we accidentally get tangled up in that as well. For one, consider the ways that we think about work and rest in our culture. I think there's this general tendency in our culture where we work, 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 and then we're tired, and then we do what? Vacation, right? And vacation might be Cabo. Uh, for others, vacation might be a case of beer on the back porch. Vacation could be anything. It's, it's escape is what it is. And we escape into all kinds of mind-numbing activities. The options are endless. 
You can go to Netflix and take a vacation and you can watch Netflix for the rest of your life and they will continue to make more videos than you could ever watch for your life. Like the opportunity for vacation is there, whether it's in your living room or on the other side of the world. Vacation awaits. But our, our mode is work, 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 vacation. And vacation could also be, marketers kind of play on this, right? When you watch commercials and they say, you need to go and get what you deserve. Why do you deserve it? Because you've been working so hard. Why do you deserve it? Because you're so tired. And when we're tired, we think, yeah, you know what? I've worked hard. I do deserve a vacation. I do deserve a trip to the mall. I do deserve a trip to Vegas or fill in the blank. Now, those things have their place in life. But the mentality is all based upon, first of all, we work and therefore we deserve X, Y, or Z. That's really another form of works righteousness that we deserved some kind of rest in our life, that we worked so hard that we earned it. That's all built up on some fabricated system that's built on and rooted in human effort. And it's a graceless way of living. At the end of the day, it's really a godless way of living. So I want to propose that we think about time in a different way. Not work, 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 vacation, but begin with receiving Begin with rest. Begin with Sabbath, which is another word for ceasing. Begin with grace. Begin with acknowledging what God wants to do in our lives and receiving that. And then moving from Sabbath to vocation. Moving from Sabbath to entering into our work. And so we enter into our work, not in order to earn anything, but because God has already blessed us and given us everything we need. Which of those do you identify with? Is it work, 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 escape, come up for a bit of oxygen and then go back to work? Or is it, I'm a human being. God loves me. I receive that blessing. I refuse to get entangled in too many trappings of the world and just take, a, take some time to allow that blessing to be in my life. And out of that, I enter into the work that I have in front of me. A great example of this is the Jewish day. The Jewish day begins not in the morning, but at sunset, when the sun goes down. Here's what Eugene Peterson says. He says, when it is evening, I pray the Lord my soul to keep and I drift off into unconsciousness for the next six to eight hours, a state in which I am absolutely non-productive and have no cash value. The Hebrew evening morning sequence conditions us to the rhythms of grace. We go to sleep and God begins his work. We wake and are called out to participate in God's creative action. But always grace is previous. Grace is primary. We wake into a world we did not make, into a salvation that we did not earn. Not work, 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 vacation, but Sabbath rest and then vocation. 
How is it that we think about our relationship with work and therefore our relationship with rest? Let's get back to Jesus. So Jesus on the Sabbath tells the Pharisees that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And He displays His Lordship by going into the synagogue and by healing a man with a withered hand. little biblical piece of information that I find fascinating. Did you know that of all the healings Jesus has ever done in the Gospels, the only times where Jesus actually initiates the healing is on the Sabbath. Now, he heals other people on Tuesday or Thursday or Wednesday, but that's when other people are saying, yo, Jesus, I've got a withered hand over here. Could you help a guy out? But on the Sabbath is the only day that Jesus does the initiating. It's as if that's the day that he's looking for someone to heal. He's looking at taking the initiative, at being proactive to do his work. Maybe Sabbath is a time where we relax so that Jesus can do the initiating. Sometimes we don't know what's hurt. So, you know, if your hand doesn't work, it makes, you know that, right? But what if there's stuff in our heart and we're just not real sure? What if there are things in our mind that are sinful or out of line or that are keeping us from living the life God had us to live? We can't say, God, I got a heart problem right here and I know exactly what it is. I've diagnosed myself. I looked it up on spiritual WebMD. I just need you to give me a pill. That's not how it works. Sometimes we just need Jesus to come to us and say, I'm taking an initiative here. But we can only do that if we practice Sabbath. When we make ourselves available for God to do the work, we rest, but God works. That's the beauty of Sabbath. We often don't even know what to ask for. Now, the early church changed the day that they remembered the Sabbath. For the longest time, the Sabbath was on the seventh day of the week as God rested on the seventh day of the week. But once Jesus rose from the dead, and Jesus rose from the dead, not on a Saturday, but on the first day of the week, on a Sunday. And the symbolism there is that just as God in Genesis chapter 1 began His work on day 1, in Jesus... In the new creation, the new resurrection, the new, the new world, God began on day one. So Jesus being raised on a Sunday has symbolic significance that God's doing new creation here. And the early church decided, we're going to let our Sabbath be on that day. Which means Sabbath is the beginning of the week. And it also means that we're letting resurrection happen on a day in which we just simply receive it. God is working. Are we in a position to receive? That leads us to the challenge of Sabbath today. We've already mentioned it. But a couple of other things we need to think about. How do we get in a posture of doing that? Well, first of all, I think we realize that some of us, but not most of us, some of us work physically hard during the week. 
Most of us don't physically work hard, but our brains are being taxed. Our minds are, are rolling. Even when we're not working, there are things that are saying, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And these little things remind us of that, don't they? They're always kind of just poking in our brains, aren't they? So the kind of rest we need depends on who you are and where you're at in life and what you do during the week. Do you need a physical rest? Well, get yourself some physical rest. Do you need sleep? Get yourself some sleep. God gave you sleep as a gift. It's, it's not like God said, hey, the goal of life is to sleep as little as possible, despite what you see on t-shirts out there. And substitute that sleep for coffee for the rest of your life, and you'll be happy. That's not the way the world works. God gave us rest. It's a part of his grace. We deny it. We're denying ourselves of who he made us to be. Get as much rest as you can. But mentally, I think we all need to switch gears. Because we're swimming in this world where our minds are being distracted and busy by many things. So how do we worship the Lord of the Sabbath? How do we observe this Sabbath unto God? How do we do that in our lives? Well, let me give you some suggestions and then you and the Holy Spirit just go figure the rest out on your own. Number one, Sabbath means that we get away from distraction. We get away from the things that are just kind of entertaining us all the time. I've already named one of them. This is a fascinating invention. This combined with the internet is a fascinating combination of inventions that is doing something to the human brain and the human psyche that we don't just fully know yet. We're like the first generation of guinea pigs on this thing. Why don't we get away from this so it's not a, we're not slaves to it? Second of all, make some time in your life to, to read Scripture. Not in order to get something done, but just to kind of sit in it for a while. Don't set yourself a goal to accomplish, just read Scripture. Not as an activity or an accomplishment, but just as an enjoyment, as a delight. Third of all, be open to God speaking to you in surprising ways. Be open as you rest and cease that, that things will emerge from the depths that you didn't know was there. Next, be in nature if possible. Especially if you're a nature person. If you're a nature person, go get in nature. If you're not in a nature person, if you'd rather the temperature be 71 degrees, then like look out a window where there's nature and turn your AC on. Figure it out. Some of you might need to exercise on your Sabbath. I love to journal. Journaling is a great way for me to put my jumbled up thoughts and feelings onto paper. And it helps me to say, oh yeah, those are actually real thoughts and feelings. It allows me to put them out there and test them. Allow yourself to feel. Allow yourself to acknowledge, this is what I'm feeling today. Especially us men, right? Because we, like the only emotion some men feel is anger. And that's all we know. I'm angry. I'm not angry, right? What do you feel? Allow that to happen. Be in fellowship with a few others, people you like, people you enjoy. Start practicing moments and times of Sabbath, maybe in a small way. Maybe you practice by half a day before you take on a full 24-hour Sabbath. Find your time. 
Some of us work on Sunday mornings, right? Y'all think I'm resting up here? I'm not. I have to find my own Sabbath time. That's a challenge. And you may have to do the same with you. The next one is don't let church be a burden, but let it be a delight. If your experience in our church is a burden, then either you need to change something in yourself or you need to come talk to me and we'll take some responsibilities off of you. Church, we're not, we're not here to make anybody's life harder. We're not here to, to put any extra burdens on people. We're here to remind ourselves of who we really are in Christ and to free people. And then the, perhaps the most difficult one is decide for yourself what is work and what is not. This is different for different people. Is tending to your yard work? Well, that depends on who you are. If what you do for a living is uh, working in people's yards, then if you're in your own yard, that's probably work. If, if working in your yard means that you are in your mind trying to, to accomplish things and make things look good for your, your neighbors and everything else, then it's probably work. But if when you are in your yard and you're just like free and, and, and your mind is free and you need that exercise and if it replenishes you, then that could be a form of rest. And maybe you can do that for a couple hours and then it becomes work after that. Figure that out. Maybe, maybe working in your yard needs to be accompanied by certain music you listen to or certain podcast or maybe just the sounds of the nature around you. Be creative with that. I tell you what's not, what's not rest for me. Watching sports is not rest for me. I know it's taken me a long time to figure this out, but I finally kind of came to this conclusion. Like every time I watch a sporting event, it's only the sporting events I care about. Like I don't watch sports for fun. I watch it because I'm cheering for someone. And that always involves a degree of anxiety. Are you tracking me? Whether my team wins or loses. And when my team wins, I don't think, oh, what a refreshing three and a half hours I just spent. No, I'm thinking, man, I'm glad we didn't lose. That's not rest for me, okay? I'm just confessing that to you now. That does not qualify. Find your Sabbath. There is a Lord of the Sabbath, and He wants us to rest. He wants us to do it together. He wants us to Sabbath so that we can remember who we are. And then finally, I just simply want to say that when we practice Sabbath, not only do we allow Jesus to heal us, but we allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives in such a way that we may not even know what kind of prevention God is doing in us. I just wonder if we practiced Sabbath, what kind of sicknesses we would prevent. I wonder what kind of moral failures would be prevented in the world if the people who had those failures practiced Sabbath. I just think most of our mistakes and most of our sins come out of our unwillingness to practice this commandment. This is a blessing, and it is meant for us, for the glory of God. Let us do it well by the grace of God. Would you pray with me?